We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM with Morris O'Connor. Actually, it's not Morris today, it's Frank Tynan, and, and uh, welcome to Kilkenny today. I hope I find you well. We have a very busy programme and uh, lots to keep you interested, so I'd love your company for the next 55 minutes or so. And we're going to go straight into our interview at, uh, today, and we're going to talk to Mary Butler, who's the Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council. Mary, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, it's so nice to talk to you, and thanks for your time. Not at all. So, very exciting times in relation to Bookville 2020, and um, I have a copy of the book, Mary, and I was just going through it. It's a wonderful uh, publication. Perhaps you might just like to tell our audience a little bit about how Bookville 2020 is going to be different. Yeah, well, Bookville 2020, anybody who's familiar with Bookville knows that it's um, a huge array of events and activities and um, fun and games across the library and through the Arts Office. We also have an exhibition here as well, but of course this year... Bookville had to be different, so we decided to present Bookville in a book. It just seemed to make perfect sense and another lovely way of engaging with children and families across the county. So we produced a book, um, an activity book, I suppose, essentially full of crosswords, word searches, drawings, there's activities off Gaelga, opportunities to write stories, all sorts of things in there, um, working with some um, of the best-known children's authors across Ireland. So... Um, yeah, it's a, a packed book full of activities. Lots to keep people interested over the coming dark evenings as we enter into the winter time and so on. But it's it's available uh, around Kilkenny, obviously, and it's it's free of charge, I believe. It's free of charge. Yeah, our festival is always free of charge. All our events are free. So essentially, we have we got ten thousand copies of the Bookville book printed, and it has gone out to every primary school in the county. They have probably nearly all received their books by now. Um, it's also available through the libraries. Obviously, the libraries at the moment, it's worth checking the website because they're all open, but on a different basis. Do you know what I mean? Some of them are click and yes. collect, and some of them you can go in and browse. Yes. Um, so it, you can collect it from the libraries, and you can also contact the arts office, and we'll send you out a copy as well. We have um, a big database here of families that engage in our children's programs across the year, so they've all been contacted as well, and they'll receive copies of the book. And for anybody who doesn't or can't get hold of the physical copy, it is, it's downloadable as well from the website, bookvillekilkenny.com. As the Arts, arts Officer um, with Kilkenny County Council, Mary, it's a, it's a difficult time, obviously, for artists in particular, isn't it, and uh, mm. entertainers. And, uh, but you're, you're doing your best to try and maybe accommodate, uh, in a different way, what's going on in the arts world. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's a big part. And I suppose that's the beauty of the art world. We're, we're, we're very adaptable and flexible. And sometimes we're... We know quite quickly how to respond and to change, I suppose, the dynamics of how we work. So I suppose that's one of the reasons why the festival was so important to continue to find a way to run it this year. First of all, we wanted to keep it, you know, in the annual calendar. We still wanted, you know, children around the county to be able to engage um, in the curriculum and with all these books, just in a very different way. But also it meant that we were continuing to work with authors and with artists because we also have two um, video-based workshops as well which are on the website. So we're still working with artists even though they're not physically able to be able, able to go out and go into the schools or work directly with groups. This has enabled us to continue to provide work opportunities, I suppose, for authors and artists across the, the, the country, essentially. 
And it's so important to keep um, our artists, uh, you know, active at least and obviously pass on the great work that they're doing to the broader community. And um, maybe just go back to the library for a moment because, again, there's so many activities which are free and available in the, in the county library, aren't there, which are really a benefit now coming into the dark evenings. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't talk at length about the mm-hmm. library service, and for, I'm, I'm not as well-versed as the people who work in the library would be, but absolutely, they're still a really important community resource and really important to, to continue to engage with their library, and the libraries have worked really hard um, since the lockdown to continue to, I suppose, facilitate people, young and old, with books and with activities. Um, similarly, I suppose they would work similarly in that. I think any of the departments really that work within the community sector were just working really hard to find other ways to engage with people. Um, and I suppose this book was a really important one um, for us. Um, and also there's a, you know, a whole series of online activities as well in the libraries and through you know, uh, programs that we have running here like Music Generation as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I suppose over the next number of months, Mary, have you got any other projects that maybe might be of interest and people to maybe watch out for in relation to the arts in particular? Um, Well, I suppose a mixture of what we do here, we do professional development with artists. We have a lot of programs there from the community perspective. You know, we're still running our women's program. Um, We are running literature programs, actually our open circle program. It's actually full, and I suppose that just goes to show show the popularity of it. But... um, we are taking a waiting list and, and if women are interested we're still taking sign up but we're doing a, an, on, some more online creative writing courses between now and the end of the year the arts office will do some more of those as well and um, we currently have an exhibition we managed to open our first exhibition mid-September here so that was a long wait we were expecting our first exhibition to open in Dean Street in I suppose April, May this year but we have this exhibition and we have another exhibition with a Kilkenny based artist called Robert Dunn so there are two shows between now and the end of the year so the gallery is opened here from Thursday to Saturday from 10 until 5 so um, feel free to drop in there and we have all obviously the, you know, the COVID restrictions in place of course, and um, I suppose just to give a mention to the Bookville team uh, who produced the book because, as I said, it's a wonderful book, um, but the library service obviously were involved, Josephine Coyne and Ashton Kelly and yourself, Mary Bartle, obviously is the mm-hmm. arts officer, and uh, the project coordinator was Nikki Reid. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was a real team effort, and obviously even working with the authors, we worked with them in a very different way this year, so I suppose our designer, Stephen Aylan, would have worked, you know, people like Martin Brown, so any children, I know my son was really, um, really obsessed with the horrible histories. It was great to work with Martin Brennan. He gave us some of his original activities and um, also to work with Cartoon Saloon with their new film co- coming out, Wolf Walker. So perfect time for that as well. But across the board, all of the authors that we've worked with, um, Dave Rudden, we've worked with him before. We have some new authors in here as well. Obviously, Helena Duggan, a Kilkenny author. We're working with Helena again this year. Duncan Beattie would be a new author that we've worked with. And I suppose the book really is, it's suitable for ages for children aged three to six, but it's a lovely family activity book because, um, you know, there's, there's um, I think as adults we can get involved. I know I certainly took it home and got straight into it as soon as it arrived, hot off the press. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Again, I had a look at it myself the weekend, and uh, we have some grandkids and stuff, and it's 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 a beautiful book. And it's um, as you said, there's lots and lots of copies going to be floating around Kilkenny, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And people can avail. And we have some here in the, in the station as well, which we'll have uh, during the week for listeners to the programmes that we have on between now and Friday. Great. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And we'll be giving more mentions, obviously, as well, Mary. Mary Butler, Arts Officer with Kenny County Council. So many thanks for talking to me today on Kenny Today. Thank you, Brian.
No problem. Thanks a million. Thanks, Thanks for inviting us on. Talk okay, to you soon. Thank Bye. That was Mary Butler, Arts Officer with Kenny County Council and uh, some very, very good news in relation to Bookville 2020. And I'm going to take my first ad break now. I'll be back in a few moments. Don't go away. Kilkenny's only community radio station. Local like you. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny's only community radio station. We're local like you. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today. Uh, yours truly, Frank Tynan, is here for the programme. And uh, now we're going to have an interview which my colleague over from Atlone Community Radio, um, Deirdre Hunt, um, held with uh, Hazel Hennessy. And it's really in relation to RTE does comic relief will focus on the recovery and rebuilding of Ireland. And the fund will focus on supporting non-profit organisations that provide key services and supports to vulnerable individuals who have been affected by COVID-19 across all of uh, the Republic of Ireland. And as I said, Deirdre Hunt from Atlone Community Radio spoke to Hazel Hennessy, who is a marketing executive with the Community Foundation for Ireland, as she gave details of how to apply for the Comic Relief Funding. And the deadline for applications is next Wednesday, September the 30th. 30th. Here's a, her interview. Today I'm joined by Hazel Hennessy, and Hazel is with the Community Foundation of Ireland. Hazel, thank you for taking the call. Thanks very much for having me. Hazel, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Community Foundation of Ireland and its role? Yeah, so the Community Foundation for Ireland is a philanthropy organisation. So we work in, with individuals, families, corporates and other trusts and foundations. And we help them guide their grant making to communities all across Ireland and abroad. So we work with a wide range of non-profits across Ireland in helping them to respond to Ireland's complex future grant making. So we started in 2000. And in 2019, we gave out over 8 million, and this year we're set out to give out almost 15 million in grants. So it's fantastic to see how we've grown as an organisation. So uh, we've worked with yourselves, CREA, before, and probably worked with many of the community groups who might be listening. So with CREA, we actually provided training grants for community radio, as we really saw the importance of community radio and how it can provide voice to those who don't often, we don't often get to hear on Irish media. We work with a wide range of social issues and a wide range of donors to really um, ensure that we have a, a, a good non-profit sector in Ireland. Yes, now I know that you are working with the RTE Does Comic Relief Fund at the moment. It's open for applications for community groups. But you might just start by telling us how the money was raised and, and how much was raised. Yeah, so at the very start of when lockdown happened in March, we reached out to all of our donors to say to them we really need to support the non-profit sector in Ireland to make sure that they can keep providing the essential services that they needed. And we've worked with Kite Entertainment for a number of years doing um, their parties night in and things like that. So Archie and Kite Entertainment came together to host the Archie Just Comic Relief at the end of July. So it was a fantastic evening. We had so many great acts. There was Gary Girl, Closure, Pat Short. I'm pretty sure you can watch it back on RT there. It's a really good show. But throughout that, almost six million was raised for the community and voluntary sector. We got three million match funding from government, and three million was raised through people phoning in on the night and giving um, giving towards the fund. And then we also had some really good corporate and private donors who contributed. So now we have six million euro that we're able to give back to community groups within Ireland to really help them through the COVID-19 pandemic. And Hazel, what kind of community groups can apply for this funding? Any type of community group can apply for the funding. So although we ask that they're a non-profit organisation, we have um, a very clear criteria and all the information available on our website. 
but I really would encourage any community group who is listening to have a look and apply. We know that nearly all community groups have been affected by COVID-19, so we really want to help them either get back up and running or to change their services to kind of adapt to this new COVID world. I know from working with the community radio and different community groups, it can be very daunting to apply for funding. Do they specifically have to prove how they've been affected by COVID-19? So with this grant process, because we know obviously community groups are really up against it at the minute, there's been a huge drop in fundraising and there's a lot of community groups who can't rely on the volunteers they used to be able to. So we've really tried to simplify the application process as much as possible. We still make sure that we um, adhere to the highest standards of governance, but the application form has been simplified quite a bit. So there's two strands that charities can apply for. There's the adapt and respond uh, strand, and there's also the demand for digital strand. So basically, all community groups have to do is they go onto our website, have a quick look through the criteria. Really, all groups have been affected by COVID, so the majority will be um, will be able to apply for funding. And then we have a really simple online application form that they fill in. It's open till the 30th of September, so it'll only take a small, um, probably only an hour or two to complete at most. And then we'll get back as soon as possible to let people know if they have been successful. And is there any criteria that's very important? Because a lot of community groups, they're probably voluntary led. So would they have to have signed up to certain governance or would you be looking at their accounts? What exactly would you be looking at? So they don't have to necessarily have a CHY number, as you know, uh, not all non-profit organisations have that. Yes. They will need to have um, a bank account in that organisation's name. We do not give funds to any individuals, obviously, and we will need to see some sort of account. So as I said, if you want to have a look on the website, we have the full criteria there that just go through some documents that they will need. For example, we need their Memorandum Arts Association, most recent annual accounts, and then just proof that they have an organisational bank account. And would this be suitable for organisations with, say, like the Men's Shed or different residential groups around towns? Would they be able to apply for this, Hazel? There's obviously an upper limit, but would there be a minimum of funding that people can apply for? So there is a couple of different strands that you can have a look at, and there is an maximum of funding on the both strands for, I think it's for 7,000 for individually, but then we also have um, another option where if charities are collaborating with each other to help them through COVID, for example, men's shed might be collaboration with the local um, Meals on Wheels service, and that would be a collaboration project, and they would be able to apply for even more funding. So what we're saying is because of the two strands, the uh, adapt and respond and the demand for digital, it's for the organisation to have a look and to see are they trying to bring their services online or are they bringing a part of their services? Are they delivering them through a platform that can be accessible online? And in that case, it would go for a demand for digital. And then also because we know not all organisations are able to bring their services online, they can then adapt for the, they can, sorry, they can apply for the adapt and respond category, which will be able to help organisations, whether it be refitting their community centre to apply with government guidelines or other things that they might need to be able to help them get back up and running and respond to the COVID guidelines. Okay, and can you just give out before we leave you, Hazel, where exactly people can find this and the deadline? Yeah, so it's front and centre on our website. It's communityfoundation.ie and you'll be able to see it there at rt.comicreleaffund. 
and the closing date is the 30th of September. So there's two weeks left. So you can go on today, have a look at the application form, you can start it, and you can go in and have a think about it and finish it before the 30th. And all of our grants team are accessible on info at foundation.ie if there's any additional questions. We also, which is available on the website, we recorded a webinar in August just to give some feedback and just to give some tips on the application process, which is available also to view on our website. Okay, Hazel, thank you so much. That's wonderful. And it's wonderful for organisations like ourselves and the community organisations around the country to know that there is somebody like Community Foundation of Ireland that's working year in, year out to keep organisations like ourselves funded. Yeah, we think it's really important. So a community foundation is 1,800 of us globally. So community foundations were set up to respond to the needs of communities. So we have a number of different ways that we give out grants. We give out grants that are kind of long-term and look at social issues and really try and make uh, societal change on them year after year. And then also one of our main ways of working is to respond immediately to needs such as COVID. So it's been fantastic to see the efforts that have gone in from philanthropy to be able to help organisations through COVID. As I said, we'll give out almost 15 million this year and the majority of that will be to help organisations to adapt to this new COVID world and to also help them meet the fundraising deficits that have happened this year. I know with the benefits report that came out, almost half a billion has been lost to the Irish charity sector because of lack of fundraising. So we're really trying to help as much as possible to help ensure those charities have the funds they need to keep supporting people in our communities. Okay, Hazel, thank you again. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on community radios around the country. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Hazel. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, the voice of the Marble City. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today with Frank Tynan and uh, many thanks to Deirdre Hunt from Atlone Community Radio who is speaking to Hazel Hennessy, Marketing Executive with the Community Foundation for Ireland about RTE's Comic Relief Funding. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. We all want to stay safe and protect each other from coronavirus. We do this by cleaning our hands, social distancing and covering sneezes and coughs. We can also do this by wearing a face covering. Face coverings help prevent people who don't know they have the virus from spreading it to others. They should be worn anywhere it's difficult to stay two metres apart, like shops or public transport, or when visiting anyone who's more at risk. Wear a face covering. Stay safe. Protect each other. See hse.ie for more. Sunday Music and Sport with me, Tom Phelan, bringing you all the sporting action as it happens. Along with news and some great music. Every Sunday, 2 till 5, on Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny's only community radio station, local like you. Indeed we are. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today and um, earlier today I spoke with Dr Noel Richardson, Director of the National Centre for Men's Health at the IT in Carlo and we spoke in relation to the important new research which uh, Noel was involved in and results from from same which indicate that farmers in particular are highly vulnerable to COVID-19 and this is how our little chat went. Farmers are highly vulnerable to COVID-19 
just one of the key findings from a recent study entitled Essential and Vulnerable Implications of COVID-19 in Ireland, which was recently published in the Journal of Agromedicine, the Journal of the National Farm Medicine Centre in the USA. I'm pleased now to welcome to Kilkenny today on Community Radio Kilkenny City, Dr Noel Richardson, Director of the National Centre for Men's Health uh, in IT, Carlo, who is a member of the research team. Noel, good morning, how are you? Good morning, Frank. Nice to talk to you. Um, uh, Some very important research in relation to the farming community uh, that you've been involved in, Noel, and um, perhaps maybe for our listeners you might just highlight maybe some of the key findings from your perspective of the study. Sure, Frank. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a farmer son myself, so I always have a soft spot for the farmers. Absolutely, yeah. You know, despite despite the fact that agriculture and food production is such a a vital part of our economy, the needs of farmers, I think, have been largely overlooked during this pandemic. And what we, what, the, the, there are kind of three main points or arguments we're making in this research paper that, that make farmers particularly vulnerable during, during this COVID-19 crisis. And, and the first point that needs to be made is that farmers, we know from previous research that farmers have a high prevalence of underlying conditions that, that put them at high risk for COVID. I'm talking about respiratory diseases and cardiovascular diseases like, say, diabetes, high blood pressure, Obesity, you know, these kind of and asthma, respiratory conditions. So, because there's a high prevalence of these conditions in farmers, the risk of them getting COVID is, is all the greater. So, that, that, so that's one key aspect of the research that we've highlighted. The other point then is to, is, is to say that farmers are, are kind of an aging population, if you like. So, yeah. um, the older we are, again, the higher risk for for um, for COVID. And the other kind of demographic aspect of that is that we know from previous research that small farm size and low income um, place those kind of farmers at particularly high risk. So farmers who are older and who are maybe part-time farmers or have low incomes are particularly vulnerable to COVID. And the third and final point, and not least in many ways, is that we know a lot of farmers you know, are already isolated in rural communities. There's been massive changes over the last kind of 20 or 30 years, and COVID has exacerbated those that isolation and, and the loneliness, really, I think, that a lot of farmers are, are facing. So 12% of farm holders in Ireland um, are, are, are living alone. So, you know, during lockdown, and particularly during during the, 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 the earlier period in March, April, a lot of farmers think we're, we're left really isolated, even more so than, than normal. So, so the combination of these things really, you know, we're making the case that, that a lot more attention needs to be focused on farmers and farmers' health and supports to, to kind of address these issues. Yeah, and I mean, some of the figures that are quoted in the research, um, I suppose from a medical point of view, again, are quite concerning. I mean, 86% of farmers are overweight or obese. So again... That's that's a key finding, isn't it, in relation to? Yeah, I mean, we've we've been involved in other studies. We've a program called Farmers of Hearts, yes. which is trying to reach out to farmers in 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 co-ops and and marts, you know, and like working with the Irish Heart Foundation, who have been really good at this now for years, and um, trying to engage farmers to be more kind of proactive on health issues and to be more to become more aware, really, of what the risk factors for heart disease are and and kind of some simple steps they can take to kind of address that. So. But again, I think for too long, farmers' health has been ignored, and because it's it's an outdoor livelihood, everyone assumes that you know farmers are, are automatically healthy. But that's not necessarily borne borne out by the research. And farmers need more supports and more direction, I think, to get them on track for on track to better health. Yeah, what I found interesting too in the research that just mentioned, their farmers have hearts, is that farmers are very good, really, at going to their GP now. 
um, during, we say, the course of a year. But perhaps the communication or the education side to it, uh, that they're not maybe addressing, that they're not maybe picking up the key messages that they need to to improve maybe cardiovascular health. Would that be fair? No, that's a good point, Frank. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to kind of reinforce stereotypes and say, you know, farmers won't go to the doctor and all that kind of thing. But, like, for example, the engagement with farmers, with the nurses in, in the marts and the co-ops has been excellent. You know, like, hardly any farmers, um, you know, t- turn down the opportunity to, for, for this for this program. So they're, they're very proactive. Farmers are going to their GPs, but 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 generally that they're going to their GP when when the when a problem has become a serious problem. Do you know what I mean? That they're going to get fixed rather than from a kind of preventative, um, you know, proactive approach to kind of engage in healthy lifestyles to prevent these problems happening down the road. So what we're trying to encourage farmers to do is to not just to see health as something that that you need to get fixed when it's broken, but rather to you know, to be more active, to watch the kind of food intake, um, to obviously smoking and drinking. Smoking is out altogether, drinking in moderation. Um, and just, you know, being socially engaged as much as possible. So if they are in isolated work communities, to, to reach out to whatever supports are available locally. Okay, that's really interesting, um, uh, Noel. But uh, I suppose in a broader sense, um, you know, men per se, um, I was just recently talking to the Mary Keating Foundation and they have a, a Stand Up For Your Prostate campaign for September and they're trying to again encourage men um, to be more proactive in prevention really and going to the GP. So it's it's not just about going to the GP but going about for the right reasons as well, isn't it, maybe? Uh, that's, that's a really good point, Frank, yeah. I mean, we know from recent studies as well that farmers are a lot more... Um, open to going to the GP now, but, but, but generally they, they, they tend to see the GP as, as, as a kind of a, a, last, a last ditch, if you like. You know, they, they only go when there's a problem, you know, and often when the problem has become quite, quite a serious problem. So it's really important that, that we see GP services not just as, as, a, as, a, as a place where farmers go when, when, when a problem has reached, you know, serious level, but, but rather that they would engage with the GPs and other health professionals you mentioned my Keating Foundation there, for example, on a more preventative and being, being more proactive about their health. So, like engaging in healthy lifestyles, engaging in screening programs, and um, you know, and and anything that's going to be have a positive effect on their, on their health. You mentioned isolation in farmers' areas, so yes. anything that would would, would engage farmers in, the, in their local communities are, are really important for kind of mental health as well. But but it's really important that the GP is seen for the totality of the service that, that, that they provide, not just in terms of treating medical conditions, but in prevention as well. This is really important. Again, I suppose in, in a broader sense, uh, Noel, you know, COVID-19 has put so much pressure on so many areas of society in Ireland, but certainly rural Ireland, and, um, you know, even to mention uh, perhaps rural pubs and so on, but the, the ability maybe to be able to mix in a safe environment, as you said, is so important for the mental well-being of, of farmers as well. Absolutely, and you know we, we we won't know the the cost of this really for, for a long time. Yes, you know what I mean. We're still kind of it's still early days. Absolutely, we're getting to grips with the the impacts. But very often, you know, the the impact on mental health and on on, on aspects of thing of of mental health like loneliness are only kind of seen well down the line. So, and again, this is a worry as we face into winter. I mean, the fact that the, the lockdown happened in. In, in spring and heading into summer was, was some help to people, you know, that the evenings were getting longer, the weather was getting better. So, you know, there, there was that to kind of look forward to, I guess. But 
Um, we're now nine months into it or thereabouts, eight months into it and facing into winter. So if there were to be more severe restrictions imposed again, which, which, is, which is looking increasingly likely, you know, by the week, I guess, yes. um, there, there certainly would be, there could be, you know, a lot of grave impacts on, on, on people in rural communities, especially who suffered the, the worst effects of, of, of restrictions and lockdown. I suppose even from a psychological input, and obviously we're talking here in Kilkenny, so hurling is always close to our hearts, but um, the reintroduction of the club game during the summer has been, uh, obviously people couldn't go early on and numbers are restricted, but at least it's, it gives the opportunity to watch maybe perhaps on, on streaming services. And now that the senior in the county championship hopefully will start again, they're all kind of psychological boosts too, aren't they? Massive. I mean, like the, 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 the whole value of, 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 of say, sport, and in a wrong case here, hurling in particular in Kilkenny, is is unquantifiable really you know yeah because not, not alone are, are, are people watching it on, on the telly at the moment because they can't go to matches obviously but like it's it's the discussions before and after it's the the whole excitement and the debate and the arguments that it generates you know it brings people back into their into their souls I mean, it breathes life into into, into people and into communities and um, and you know we, we can't underestimate the the the, the the value that that brings, and that's why it's been so important. I think to, that, that sport has, has re-emerged after the initial kind of um, after you know the initially not not going ahead say, for the month of March, April, May there, but yes. Again, I suppose, you know, just reading, I suppose, what you would advocate for, for particularly farmers, but I think it could really be for any of us, um, is that, you know, the, the area of, of, of um, fitness, going for walks, uh, proper diet, are some of the key areas that maybe could be worked on over the next few months? Absolutely. All the, all the lifestyle behaviours are really important. But if I was to single out one, I think it's, it's exercise. I wouldn't even call it exercise. I'd say physical activity. You know, just getting out and getting out of the house as well. You know, even as you come into the winter now, if, if the weather isn't as good, like, you still put on the gear and get out. And I think, you know, getting, getting out of the house and being active has huge physical and mental benefits. Um, and then the other lifestyle behaviours are also important, like eating a healthy diet, um, cutting back on drinking, you know, t- trying to quit smoking if, if you are a smoker. Um, and and I, I come back again to the point about social engagement is hugely important. So having even if it's a small pool of people that you that you in, that you meet regularly, whether it's in person or or um, by by phone, and obviously the core decisions need to be adhered to here as well. There's, the real danger is when people don't have any contact for an extended period of time, and that, that really impacts on their mental health over time, I think. That's, that, that's something we should really look at addressing. Excellent advice. And again, maybe if I might just kind of talk, I suppose, about your broader role. Obviously, you're based in IT in Carlo, and um, I'm just hearing at the moment, obviously, over the weekend, a lot of, uh, I suppose, challenges in the UK as third-level students go back to campus and so on. So, I mean, again, um, I suppose there are going to be challenges for places like yourself over the coming months in relation to our third-level students. How do you see that progressing? Um, well, I mean, I, I think the quite proactive in moving to online methodologies you know for teaching and i mean there are some really good platforms there now that 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 allow that to happen so um so i I think i think the teaching side is fine really you know i mean it's it's never going to be replaced the face-to-face that's a given but i mean as an interim measure i think it 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 will work okay and 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 you know it will work I, i would fear though more for 
for kind of young, young people, you know, especially those starting college this year, it's a very difficult um, way to start, you know, yes. because the whole thing of going to college is, 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 is a social, you know, moving away from home, making new friends, you know, and all that comes with that. So, I mean, I think young people are being, uh, you know, and these are the same young people that said they didn't have debts in the summer or, you know, didn't get to sit or leave inside. So, um, 18, 19 year olds, like they're still very young and um, still kind of vulnerable age. I, I, I would, I would feel sorry for them in particular. But in fairness, I mean, this is this is this is a short-term thing. We, we all hope. Yes. There will be a vaccine at some point. We will get back to normal at some point in the next year or two. All going well. I suppose again, I it's yes. Yeah, sorry. People will people will appreciate what they what they'll get back all the more. I think when, when we do get there. I suppose again it raises from a rural point of view like you know the area of broadband and then the importance of bringing that system forward as well because I suppose there really there's no going back here for from lots of different areas I mean be it either you know virtual visits here to GP or studying from home for whatever um, student you may be secondary or third level so uh, rural broadband is, is very important Absolutely I mean and, and something like Covid brings us home even, even more clearly you know pe- pe- people have to have access to um, to the web, you know, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, the, the most basic day-to-day functions are dependent on it, you know. So, for for that not to be in place to to a reasonable standard in in all communities, including rural communities, it's, it's just not acceptable anymore. I think COVID has, has highlighted that even more poignantly now in the last few months. Dr. Noel Richardson, um, it's been great talking to you. Lots of food for thought for all of us, not just farmers, I think, really, um, but everybody in relation to maybe how we might tackle the next few months and um, diet and getting regular exercise amongst other areas that we could look at are kind of key components, yeah? Thanks, Frank. Yeah, and thanks for taking the interest again. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. It's great talking to you. Thanks for your time. I know you're very busy and I really appreciate it, Noel. Well, no we'll talk soon, thanks, okay? Frank. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Community Radio, Kilkenny City. We're local, like you. This is Barry Henriquez. I'm looking for a bit of help from you, one of our wide number of supporters. I know that you're having a tough time, but I'm hoping that you can support our fundraiser, Split the Pot. It starts on Friday, the 25th of September. You will find the yellow boxes in the business premises of our many supporters around our city. Please put your two euro in the envelope provided, plus your name and telephone contact, and drop it in the box. My sincere thanks to every one of you. If you're not in, you can't win. You just gotta be in to win. Ganairi and Borleiv Galer. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today and uh, many thanks to my guest Dr Noel Richardson who is the Director of the National Centre for Men's Health at the IT in Carlo for his uh, input into some recent research which is really important I think just um, not alone for farmers but for all of us um, in relation to the coming winter months but um, yeah, uh, Noel is, has been very very involved in men's health for many many years now and has been to the forefront uh, in Ireland and actually in Europe in relation to putting forward um, plans uh, to improve um, men's health so um, big thanks to Noel for talking to me just have a little um, announcement here now 
and it's in relation to a burglary at Ballybor Cuffs Grange. Gardaí are investigating a burglary at a house in the Ballybor area of Cuffs Grange uh, on last Friday evening. The suspect entered the house through the front door and took various pieces of jewellery, uh, a chequebook and, and cash around half past five. Gardaí and Kilkenny are appealing for anyone with any information to contact their local Garda station. And if you have any information, please do contact your local Garda station. And, uh, yeah, there was some great good news, uh, Michael Kenny, um, over the last number of days, obviously. And uh, look at a photograph here from Saturday's Mail and uh, serving up magical jackpot win. A family-run uh, service station on the outskirts of Kilkenny sold Wednesday's winning lotto ticket worth 5.3 million euros. Um, that was confirmed by the lottery, obviously, and we now know it's for somebody from Kilkenny. So if you're listening, I hope you really enjoy it and uh, it's going to bring you fantastic uh, years ahead and uh, the opportunity to do some great work for your family and friends and uh, whatever. But um, also well done to the uh, John DeLucre and the, and the store. Uh, they only started selling the lotto since 2016, so that's a massive uh, boost for the store itself and I'm sure a lot more people will be going out to John to buy their lucky tickets and maybe scratch cards or whatever but it's all in a good cause so we can't complain about that and again I suppose there's no escaping the coronavirus and um, from a paper's point of view and um, this is a headline that I came across again at the weekend coronavirus raises sales of vitamin supplements so the COVID-19 pandemic has sparked a surge in demand for vitamin supplements figures have shown and uh, Ireland's largest pharmaceutical wholesaler United Drug has found uh, immunity boost Boosting vitamin supplements such as vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc have recorded a 142% increase between March and July compared to a year ago. So again, I think, as in my conversation with Noel, I mean, people are are trying to do their very best over the coming months to try and stay healthy and stay fit. And certainly, um, as Noel said, obviously, um, exercise is very important and uh, getting out and about within obviously the guidelines that are set down uh, for us. But also perhaps um, the vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc have been possibly shown to be of benefit but um, that's up for each person to decide themselves and again um, the independent the Irish independent um, on Monday uh, cocooners are urged to exercise to avoid a wave of frailty and uh, due to inactivity so again fears are growing that a rise in the spread of COVID-19 combined with a tendency to stay indoors more during the winter will lead to a wave of frailty among cocooners leaving them at greater risk of fractures so physiotherapists are already seeing the negative impact of um, some older people who adhere to the stay-at-home message from when COVID-19 was at its height earlier this year. So it's really always difficult to try and do the right thing, isn't it? But certainly, I think um, exercise and trying to get some daylight as best we can are going to be important as well. But um, as I said, there's no escaping COVID-19 really. Des Murphy here to remind you of my Good Morning Kilkenny programme. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am for two hours here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. So join me for seven decades of music, Ashley's favourite three, and on this day in music history, that's Tuesdays and Thursdays, Good Morning Kilkenny from 10am to 12 noon, with me, Des Murphy. Why not advertise with your community radio, Kilkenny City, as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 56 or our sales team on 86 Community Radio, Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit organisation.
Hi, I'm Frank Tynan, inviting you to join me on Saturday at 5, every Saturday at 5. We'll meet interesting people, look inside the weekend papers, go back in history, and of course, great music from Ireland's best entertainers. So let's make it a date, Saturday at 5, only on your community radio, Kilkenny City, on 88.7 FM. How to safely wear a face covering. Wash your hands well with soap and water before putting it on. Without touching the front, put it on so that it covers your nose and mouth. It should go right over your nose and the bottom of your chin. Hook or tie the covering straps so that it fits closely and well to your face. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth at all times. Take the covering off from behind. Store it in a plastic bag until it can be washed. Once it is off, wash your hands well with soap and water. This is very important. Wash your covering regularly with normal detergent in a normal wash. Don't forget, a face covering may help prevent people who do not know they have the virus from spreading it to others. It is not a replacement for washing your hands or keeping the two-meter distance. Some of us are finding our sleep has become disrupted during this time. Try to switch off your devices an hour before sleep and keep a good bedtime routine. We're in this together. For more advice, see gov.ie slash together, an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Des Murphy here to remind you of my Good Morning Kilkenny programme, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am for two hours here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. So join me for seven decades of music, Ashley's favourite three, and on this day in music history, that's Tuesdays and Thursdays, Good Morning Kilkenny from 10am to 12 noon, with me, Des Murphy. Yes, indeed, some great programming ahead here on Community Radio Kilkenny City all during the week. And uh, nearly time for me to say goodbye for Kilkenny today on Monday. Don't forget you can tune in all the week at 5pm for news, local and national, as it relates to Kilkenny. And uh, just before I go, again, going back to some good news in relation to Kilkenny, um, Sunday's Business Post had the following headline, Enter Grow to Create 50 New Jobs. So Kilkenny-based companies to create 50 new jobs in Ireland in the coming year as it works to meet demand created by new contracts, including the National Broadband Plan. So listen, that's some good news. Uh, we need jobs, as many jobs as we can get here in Kilkenny. And as I said, it's time for me to go. I hope you enjoy the programme. Until we talk again. Do take care of yourself and uh, be good. Bye. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.